Well, today uh, we are continuing our series called Mir- Miracle Makers. If you weren't here uh, last week, I encourage you to go online, check it out. Uh, the, the idea behind this is simply this. God has a plan for each one of us to be miracle makers. God has a plan for your life to be a miracle maker, to uh, have an impact, to change other lives. God is looking or searching for a people that he can use, a people he can flow through. God wants to flow through you. He wants to do something in you, but he also wants to do something through you. There's this flow thing that God has for each one of us, and it's very specific to what he wants to do. He wants us to be in a place where he can flow through us to impact the world with the message of Jesus, and as we say it here at Southridge, to see lives changed and fulfilled in our Savior and King. That's what God wants. And so that's what this whole series is about, is is being miracle makers. Our key text, and we do a key text every series, almost every series, I would say 99% of the time. But the key text is found in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. And and it simply says this, Jesus is, is sending out or commissioning his disciples, his 12 disciples, and later he did it for 72, but this idea of, of being a miracle maker. And, and so it starts out, it says, one day, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Verse two, then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Uh, this morning, as I was just reading over my notes, I, I get up early on Sunday morning and do a one walk through again and pray through thing. And I, I really came back to this phrase, one day. And I thought for many of us here that we would have somehow, some way, a one-day experience with Christ. You know, a lot of you here today have had that one-day experience where he, in one day, you went from being dead in your sin to alive in Christ, one day. Some of you had a revelation one day, of, uh, that epiphany of God, who he is and what he is. One day, you finally were able to see who Christ really is. And I'm praying for us today that we might have a one day. That one day we realize he's calling my name. That one day we realize that God has something really special for me. One day. And so just kind of coming back to that thought, one day Jesus called together his disciples. So what, what was really happening in our verse here is we're all called to the mission of heaven, and Jesus does not want us to do it in our own power. Aren't you glad of that? Right? I mean, he wants you to do something really big and really powerful and and change the world. And he said, I don't want you to do it in your own power. Matter of fact, that's not even remotely what I want you to do. And so he gives us authority in his name to remove everything that stands in the way. That's really why he gives us authority, so that we can proclaim and establish and remove that which is in the way because of who Christ is and what he wants to do. And so he's given us this authority. And not only that, he wants us to go into the world to bring about a breakthrough. To bring about a breakthrough of the kingdom in the lives of people that are broken and desperately needed. That's, that's really what the Lord wants to do. He wants to do each, each and every one of us. It's the same thing. It's not like just pastors or just leaders or, or the ones that maybe get it better. It's, it's everybody is called to the same thing with Christ that we would be a part of. Here's, here's the fill in the blank in your notes if you're following along. That we're all called. That we're all called by God to be used for God in establishing the kingdom of God. That we're all called that you're called. The person you're sitting next to is called. Matter of fact, would you just look at him and say, you're called. Just look at the person next to you and say, you're called. 
You're called. God is calling your name. He's calling you up, and he wants to do something powerful. He wants to use you for his glory and for his purpose in establishing his kingdom in the lives of people. The question is today, is how can we be in a place where God can use us for a kingdom breakthrough? That's the question. If that's what he wants, how how can I be in a place where it's actually going to happen? How can I be in a position in my spiritual journey or in life in general to be really, truly that miracle breakthrough for somebody else? How can I do that? And there's a great story. It's actually one of my favorite stories as I read through scripture. You could probably say, man, he says that every time because I love the scriptures. I just love it, right? I love what God is saying and revealing about who he is in scriptures. And this one's found in Luke chapter 5. So let's look at it today. And notice, uh, I didn't notice this until this morning, that it starts off the same way as our key text, one day. One day. One day. That maybe I would be the miracle maker one day. That I would have that one day experience, right? He goes, one day, while Jesus was teaching Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It goes on in parentheses here. It says, And seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. In other words, they were all coming to see what was going on with this Jesus guy. What's going on, right? It goes on. It says, And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So men then, it says, came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. And they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, and I didn't notice this until I read it a few times, it was their faith, not, not the paralyzed guy's face, their faith. So seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? How dare Jesus do something like this? Or stand, and then he goes, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And I wrote in my, no- my notes, duh, <laughs> that Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Why are you so off course with this? Why are you so resistant to what I'm doing? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And actually what he was saying is, man, what I've done is the greatest thing. What I've done here is the most powerful thing. They said, just for you, all right, I'll, I'll play along. So he says, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. I wrote in my notes again, duh. That's just what happens, right? And it says, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. See, this story that we just read is a story that God wants to see lived out again and again and again in each one of our lives. That we would be part of this miracle maker moment. That God would use me 
to, to see something powerful happen in the lives of other people. That's what God wants to do. That's his desire. He's called us for that, to use us for that, to establish his kingdom in the lives of other people. The question is, what can we learn from this story today and how to be a miracle maker? How do we do that? Let me give you five things. I want to give you five things today. The first one is this, is if we're going to be the miracle makers that God's calling us to be, miracle makers need to get in the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. It's possible to be close, but not in. It's possible, let me just say it this way, that you could be here at church today and not really know the God of the church. It's very possible. It's very possible that you could be near a miracle, but never experience it. It's very possible. And the difference is, is getting in the game. And notice what it says in our text, that the some of the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. They were right there. They were right there. They were sitting in the very presence of a Savior. Maybe didn't know it. In the, in the, in, in the one who helped to create all the, the stars and the planets and all the different things. They were sitting right there and they didn't even know it. They were sitting nearby, but they weren't in the game. See, there's always people who are observers that are close enough to watch, but not necessarily involved. There's always people in the church that always hang around, but they never really get in the game. They always watch from a distance, going to see, hey, what's that pastor going to do today? How's that song going to go today? What's, what's going to happen? And they're watching, but not in the game. And it's interesting. I, I, I just begin to think to myself about how this plays out. It's interesting that sometimes those who should be the miracle makers are really just miracle watchers. That the very people in the story that should have been engaged with what the Messiah was done and what Jesus was doing were really just sitting back and watching and being critical and judging and all these other things. They really should have been the ones involved. I think it's interesting that the religious can sometimes be the biggest spectators around Jesus. I think it's interesting that those that actually go to church... <laughs> sometimes can actually be the ones that are least involved in really changing the world around them. Because they've substituted church for the impact that they were supposed to make. They've made it about something else. I think that's very interesting that that's what's happening. They become miracle critics and miracle judges, if you will, and they really miss it. That sometimes the religious can be the biggest spectators. I think it's interesting that the Pharisees were actually called separatists. You're like, that's an interesting phrase. And it was separatist because they had separated themselves for the fulfillment of the law. They, they separated themselves to make sure that they did all the things that they thought they had to do. And so they were checking boxes, checking boxes, checking boxes. But in all their checking of boxes, they'd missed one very, very important thing. And that was the, the box that said, heartbeat of God. And they'd missed that box. And it's very interesting that they sat so close, so near, but weren't in the game. They weren't in the game. Now, maybe <clears throat> we need to ask ourselves today, am I in the game or am I just watching? See, the world is full of people who just show up to watch, but God is looking for someone to get in the game, to get in the trenches, to move from being a spectator to a player. 
the first step for a miracle maker is just get in the game. Get in the game. Here's the second one. Miracle makers know the ultimate healer. Miracle makers know the ultimate healer. Notice what it says. It says, the Lord's healing power was strongly with, say it with me, Jesus. They tried to take him inside to Jesus. They, They put him right in front of there's a, there's a pattern here, isn't there? See, see, miracle makers understand that it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. That the miracle maker with a capital M is Jesus. That Jesus is the ultimate healer. That he's the ultimate authority. That he's the ultimate breakthrough. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. It's Jesus. Not me. It's him. And so miracle makers know It's Jesus. Miracle makers know that getting close to Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Miracle makers know that one touch, one word from the Savior changes everything. They know that. It's not a question. It's not an issue. It's not up for debate. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And if anything is going to happen that really matters in the life of a person, it's going to happen because of Jesus. So miracle makers know that. It's nothing else. Nothing else can be slid into that slot. Nothing else can be slid into that thought. It's Jesus. And so miracle makers get that. Notice what it says in Psalm 136. It says, give thanks to him, talking about God, who alone does mighty miracles. Who alone? The miracles happen because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus, and miracle makers get that. We, they totally understand. And so what does that mean for them? Then it means this. I'm just a vessel to get people to Jesus. I'm just an instrument. I'm just a conduit. I'm just something that God wants me to flow through to get people to Jesus. And so the whole thing for a miracle maker is all about getting people to Jesus, which brings us to the next one. Miracle makers carry a burden. Carry a burden. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. And let me just ask you a question here today. Have you ever had a burden, a God burden? Let me raise your hand. I have a feeling some of you have had God burdens specifically for your kids, right? Is that, I see a lot of heads nodding. I mean, we have these, these burdens, right? We have this, this burden. And so there was this burden, carrying this burden of this paralyzed man. You know, and really what that means is this, is God has laid something on my heart that has to be done. It's a God thing that has to be done. I, I can't ignore it. I can't get away from it. I can't run. A, every time I try to run away, it's a Jonah experience, and God keeps bringing me right back in front of it. There's a burden. I have to do this. And these guys had a burden that they had to carry. God was laying something upon their hearts. There was no other option. There was no other way. And the weight of the responsibility was upon their souls to do something. I have to do something. I have to carry something. I have to do this. And see, here's the point from this thought. That there are those in life that will never experience Jesus until someone actually brings them to Jesus. There's a lot of people in the world (laughs) that are waiting for somebody (laughs) to carry them to Jesus. 
that are waiting just like this paralyzed man. Boy, if I could just get to Jesus, but nobody, I can't get there on my own. I can't make it. I'm, I'm helpless. I'm, I'm hopeless. I'm, I'm unable. I'm powerless. I can't do it. And until someone actually does something to position them before Jesus, nothing changes. And so the story is really about a miracle maker who had a burden <laughs> to get somebody to Jesus, to get them to a place where they could experience Jesus. And see, we're not told, but it could have been family or friends. We know it was four people, because if you go to Mark and Matthew, you find it was four. But it could have been family, it could have been friends, it could have been a neighbor, it could have been, I mean, who, who knows? It doesn't say who it is, but they cared. They cared and they were burdened. They, they cared and they knew that there's a burden that God has laid in my heart and I know the answer and the answer is in a person named Jesus. So I've got to carry my burden to the Lord. And here's, here's really the point of this, is that someone, someone has to carry. Someone has to carry. But who's going to carry the paralyzed? I mean, the paralyzed person. We got a paralyzed person. Come on up here, paralyzed person. Just happen to found, find one. Yeah, as he walks up. Close your eyes for just a second. <laughs> so, we, so we got a paralyzed person. Would you like to be healed? That would be yes. <laughs> would you like to go see Jesus? Where, where's Jesus? I need a Jesus. I need a Jesus. There he is. Jesus. We picked the guy with the beard. So Jesus. Well, Jesus is right over there. Dude, just go. Get, get going. I can't, he said. He's a, he's a southern paralyzed guy. I can't, he says. Mm. So somebody has to carry, but who's going to carry the paralyzed? Who's going to carry the paralyzed? Who's going to carry the person that's broken and hurting that desperately needs somebody <laughs> to just get me? Let me see. There's got to be somebody. Yeah, yeah. Wow, look at that. We just happen to have a group of four guys ready. <laughs> so, so, now, this is a sacrifice on their part for somebody else that needs it, not them. I'm sacrificing my effort, my energy, my time, my life to make this happen, to carry a paralyzed, broken person to a savior and a healer that can change everything. But somebody has to carry. So go ahead, guys. Let's see if we can do it. Don't drop him because it'll ruin, ruin the illustration big time. <laughs> so they, they carry. There it is. There's the carry. Carry. Doesn't say how far he carried them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they bring him right to Jesus. They made the effort. They did that. And Jesus spit on his forehead. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the paralyzed man was raised from the dead. Right? He's raised up, folds up his mat, goes home, and he praises God. All because somebody did what? Carried. You, somebody has to carry Somebody has to carry. So the question is, is will you carry somebody? That's a question, right? 
If, I, am I'm gonna, if I'm going to be a miracle maker, I've got to be willing to carry someone or something to the Lord. It might cost me something. It might take some time and some effort. We're going to see that in the next point in just a second. Let me ask you this question. What are you carrying today? What are you carrying? What is it that you're carrying? I just wrote down some thoughts. Are you carrying a grudge? I'm carrying something, but man, I'm just mad. Mad at how I got treated. Mad at how I got treated unfairly. Mad at life. I'm mad that God didn't do what I want him to do. I'm just like, I, 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 I. that's what I'm carrying. Are you carrying an offense? Somebody wronged me. I just can't let it go. I'm going to carry it to my grave. Got a lot of Southern thing going on here today. <laughs> carrying a chip on my shoulder. Oh yeah, I'll show you. That's what I carry. Or carrying an attitude. Anybody gets too close to me, I got an attitude. I'm carrying it. <laughs> Watch out, because it might hurt you. Carrying a failure. That's all you carry. You just carry, well, I really screwed up. And I just carry it, carry it, carry it, carry it. Carry a fear. Carry a pain. Carry abuse. Or maybe you're just carrying yourself. What are you carrying? Because miracle makers carry a burden of somebody else to the Lord. What are you carrying? What are you carrying today that God would maybe want to use you? And maybe it's time for you to carry someone else. Maybe it's time. I was thinking about this for my own life. Um, I'm a Christian today because a girl named Carrie carried me. She was an older sister of a girlfriend that I had when I was 16. And I was a hot mess. I was a hot mess. Drugs, alcohol. I was, I was a walking inferno of corruption. And I wasn't a good influence. And, but the sister, Carrie, carried me. You know how she did it? She came and said, you know what? How would you like to go to a camp? I said, I don't want to go to a camp with a bunch of Christian people. I said, no, really, you want to go to camp? Like, ah, oh, in Colorado, they, they're going to go whitewater rafting and climbing. You'll love it. You know, kind of suckered me in. I said, I don't have any money. She said, yeah, I'll pay for it. 17-year-old girl paid a 16-year-old boy's way to a camp that she probably didn't even really like because she carried a burden. Because of that, I'm here today and many of you might have the same story that somebody carried something in your life that brought you to Jesus, that brought you to a place that you desperately needed to be only because somebody else carried something. What are you carrying? Who are you carrying? I'm going to keep going. So number three, or my four. Where am I at? Four? One, two, three, four. Four. Miracle makers push through. Miracle makers push through. They tried to take Jesus, take him inside to Jesus. They tried, but they couldn't. They couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some tiles. <laughs> and every time I read this this week, I thought the same thing. What would I do? 
What would I do if I was in that position and I was carrying our, our poor paralyzed person and I got there and there's a bunch of people and there was too many people? I'd probably do like I do when I go to Texas Roadhouse. Too many people, honey, let's go home and make something on the ground. <laughs> right? I, I, I don't like crowds. <laughs> I don't like crowds. And so they come and they see the crowd and they have a so moment. So they went to the roof. They didn't, so I'm going home. So I give up. So I quit. What would you do? Too many times we give up before the miracle happens and we allow the difficulties of life to detour us from the miracle that's just around the corner. We wait and miss it. We, we need to press in. We need to push through. We need to put forth some effort to see God move. Now, we purposely picked a light guy for the paralyzed guy. We could have picked a big guy and really made it difficult so we could see the effort that had to happen. But sometimes it takes effort. Some of us have an allergic reaction to effort. Right? Some of us, we, if it's, it, well, I tried, it didn't happen. You know, well, I got up that morning and my clothes weren't ironed, I couldn't go to church. Right? I mean, we just, we just, it's this effort thing that's part of it. So we got to choose to not be casual. We got to choose to not be comfortable. We got to instead choose to be aggressive, to take some risks, to find a way to Jesus, and realize that the obstacles might just be an opportunity for something else. That it's something else. Notice the obstacles that were to the miracle. There was two of them the crowd, we already mentioned, which are, or other words, people. And, and, which is interesting because crowds can be frustrating and the crowd might not only be not, the crowd might not be willing to help you get to the miracle. They might not even be interested in your miracle. They might not even care that you're carrying somebody. But that doesn't matter. I just want to get to Jesus. I just want to get them to Jesus. I just want to do whatever I can to make it happen. It doesn't matter. The crowd might be going against you, but it doesn't matter. And the question is, are we going to let the crowd or the circumstance of my life keep me from the purpose of my life and the miracle that God has for somebody, me, them, whoever? Is that what's going to happen? Miracle makers push through. Here's, here's the other obstacle. It's the roof. The roof. Now, here's, here's the picture. You got a picture. What it was is I, I did some research trying to figure out what they were doing, and, and it was beams across this large open room that Jesus was probably in with a huge crowd and a crowd outside. And, and so it, the beams were about three foot apart, and so the roof, and then they put branches over the top of them, and then they'd fill them in with like some mud or filler, and then sometimes they put tiles so that when the rain came, it would just run off, like roofing, like what we do. And so all of it was removable. You could actually, they'd do it quite a bit. They'd take it off so they could get things in and out of the house or whatever. And so they go up there and they're tearing it apart. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, is that's happening? Could you imagine Jesus sitting there and going, <laughs> you know, what the, what's going on? You know, because it wasn't without notice, I'm sure. You know, dust is flying, branches are coming down, all this kind of stuff. And so they, they go through, and the roof, as I begin to think about it, really could represent the limits that we put on Jesus that's in the way. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. You've got to peel it back. 
Got to take the tile off. Got to take a little mud off. Got to pull some branches back. Got to pull back all the excuses. Pull back all the reasons that may be standing away to finally get to the place where I can get to Jesus. I got to somehow get through that stuff. I can't just say, well. You pull it back. The limits, the reasons, the excuses, why it won't work. And my question here before I go on the last point is where do you need to push through? Where do you need to push through? You need to push through in your giving. We're talking about miracle offerings and understand it's all his, all that. Do you need to push through there? Are you missing the miracle because you haven't pushed through in your giving? You're, you're afraid. You're carrying your fear. Do you need to push through in your time? You know that Lord is calling you. He's, he's put in your heart to be more in prayer and more in the word and more in groups and all these different things that's going to help your spiritual development and the miracle actually happen in you. Is he calling you to do that? Where do you need to push through? Is it in serving? That he keeps putting something in your heart, but you just keep pushing away? Where do you need to push through? Here's the last one. Last one. Miracle makers <clears throat> hold tight. Hold tight. You know, I joked a little bit about it would totally ruin, ruin the illustration that we did up here if they got halfway across the stage and they just dropped him. <laughs> you know? I mean, it just wouldn't have worked. You know? Could you imagine, you know, in the story, they, they got to the roof and they're like, okay, I think this will work. <laughs> right? But they were holding tight in faith. See, miracle makers believe in the power of Jesus to change any and every situation. And notice what it says, seeing their faith. We don't even know if the, the guy on the mat was conscious. We don't know anything about that. The only thing we know is that they, they had faith. They, they knew that if they could get him in front of Jesus and Jesus could touch him and Jesus could speak a word, it was going to happen. They knew that. They had faith, seeing their faith to change the circumstances of the situation. See, it's holding tight to the belief that God is going to move. Check this out. Somehow, some way, someday. I hold on to that. It's the ropes for this person. It's the ropes for the situation. It's the ropes for the husband, the wife, the child. It's the ropes. I'm holding on. Somehow, some way, someday, I'm going to keep carrying it because I know if I can just get him in front of Jesus, it's all going to change. I'm holding tight. Don't drop him. Don't let go. The miracle is almost there. Hold tight. So what is faith? Faith is holding tight to the reality of God's power to deliver. It is holding tight to a conviction of who I am and who God is. He is all powerful and I am undone. What is faith? It is a confidence in the character and the person and the promises of God to do exactly what he said he will do. That's faith. It's trusting fully in the ability of God to do what he says he will do. Faith, check this out, is a commitment to live in such a way that confirms the conviction and confirms this confidence that I have in God. And so I rip tiles off and I rip boards off and I carry things that are heavy. I do it because I know that if he just gets in front of Jesus, I know something's going to happen. And I'm going to carry that like never before. Let me ask you a question before we close. Can Jesus see your faith? Can he see it? 
Or do you just tell people about it all the time? I got pain. Can they see it? Can they see the dust of your faith coming? <laughs> Can they see the life that's laid before them? Can they see it? Can they can he see it? Last thought for as I close. There's two kinds of miracles. Two kinds of miracles that are in the text. First one is a miracle of a changed heart. Miracle of changed heart. It says, young man, your sins are forgiven. It's the greatest miracle. It's the greatest miracle. Your sins are forgiven. The greatest miracle. Matter of fact, Jesus wasn't, you don't even get the sense that he was even going to do anything about the paralyzed part of it. He was just saying, hey, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> but then because they pushed on it, he said, oh, oh and by the way, get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. The greatest miracle, God changing who I am in relationship him, with him. The miracle of a restored soul. It's the miracle of the guilty experiencing the grace of God. It's the miracle of eternal life. It's eternal in focus. It's resurrection in nature. It's the greatest miracle, the change of heart. And Jesus ultimately is all about change of heart. Second kind of miracle though, and this is one we always think about more, it's a miracle of changed circumstance. It's earthly. It's temporary. It's relief or, relief or restoration focus. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Now, let me just fast forward into the story of this guy that was paralyzed. I'll tell you what eventually happened to him. He died. So the miracle wasn't forever. The miracle of circumstance change was just for a moment. What was the moment for? That maybe God would use the pain and the difficulty and the time that he had right there to show that God is powerful over my circumstances, but more importantly, he's powerful over my heart. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Sometimes God changes my circumstances, and other times he simply uses them for his glory. But the greatest miracle is a change of heart. And may we be the conduit for a miracle breakthrough in someone else's life. May we be the vessel that causes a response of all those that are present in our lives to say, we have seen amazing things today. God, use me. Amen? God, use me. Let me pray. Your heads are bowed and your hearts are bowed before the Lord. I want to pray over those two miracles in your life. Maybe you're here today and you need the greatest miracle of all to be forgiven. Scripture says that we are dead in our sin. That if we've never been forgiven of our sin, that we're actually dead spiritually. We can be alive physically, but we can be, we'd be dead spiritually. And through forgiveness, the payment of the cross for our sin, there is forgiveness. It's the greatest miracle. And maybe that's you today. You're here today right now and you realize I've never been forgiven for my sin. I've tried to make it better. I've tried to clean it up. I've tried to do things right. I've done all these things, but I've never ever came to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. But today, that's what I desperately need. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right now? Because I want to pray with you. Just lift your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, you can put your hand down. And also then, there's those of you here today 
that maybe you need a miracle in your circumstance. I don't know what it is, financially, physically, healing, relationally, job, I don't know. Emotionally, maybe you're just struggling with depression. I, I don't know what it is. But I know that God can, and many times does, instantly change the circumstance for his glory. He has power to do that. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Troy, I need God to change my circumstance. That's me. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, several hands. Several hands. Lord, I pray for those groups of people right now. First of all, for those that have raised their hands and said, Lord, I need to be forgiven. Lord, a simple prayer that says, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner before your throne. I'm undone, and you're the only one that can fix me. I believe that you died on the cross in love for me and sacrifice for me and paid the price for me and that your work on the cross and resurrection has power to forgive and make me whole again and alive. I believe that. And right now, in Jesus' name, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my King, and I lay my life down before you and say, Lord, use it for whatever you want for your glory. Lord, I pray also today, right now, in Jesus' name, for those, God, that need a circumstance miracle. Lord, whether it be healing, in Jesus' name, let it be so. Lord, if it's finances, in Jesus' name, let it be so. Lord, if it's emotions or relationships or whatever it is, Lord, I'm asking right now that the circumstance of what's going on would be touched by the power and authority of heaven to change it. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.